Attention, this is a matter of national security. After a meteorite crashed into the New Jersey Turnpike, the following digital audio transmission from the You Watch I Listen podcast was intercepted by NASA scientists in the year 2019. The You Watch I Listen podcast is about to start. Sit down, listen close, and try not to die. The You Watch I Listen podcast starts now. For a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. A couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. <laughs> what did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, take it out, take it Dude, out. Dude, now I see why people follow Charles Manson. He was very straightforward. Yeah, he had the right ideas. It's time for the You Watch, I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Hello, ladies. What's up, sluts? Yeah. Welcome back uh, to You Watch, I Listen. I almost forgot the name of the show. Uh, This is episode 105. Everyone else did, too. This is episode 105, I want to say. Yeah, let's go with that. I, I, you know what's funny? I looked at it right before the show started, and I already forgot. Yeah, it's 105 because our last one we covered uh, Capone. Um, we decided to take a week off last week, guys. Um, it, unless you've been living under a rock or you're just an asshole, uh, a lot's been happening in the world, um, specifically in uh, America, more or less. But uh, it's kind of uh, spread out around the world to one big movement. Um I don't think we needed to spend much time talking about our own personal views on things because we made those clear on our personal accounts. Um, we've posted how we feel. Uh, we're, we're with you guys, however you feel, unless you feel like being one of these fucking cocksuckers. But um, we thought it was appropriate last week to take the week off. And um, after discussing it with both Taylor and Josh, we came to the, the agreement on taking last week off. Yeah, it just made sense. Um, you know, it, there are times when there's really shitty things happening and, you know, podcasts like us or other shows are kind of outlets for people to kind of see the light for maybe an hour or two a day. Sure. But the the issues that are now in full view of the entire world are much more important. And we collectively, like Dan said, agreed that it was more important that everyone else focuses on the, um, you know, the problems at hand. Then as opposed to listening to us talk shit. And uh, I think that was just the right way to go. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, it, I, I thought about it like in that sense and like, let's just give everyone an outlet to listen to us and laugh at us for an hour or two. And then I thought, you know, it, it wouldn't look good if we're just sitting there acting like everything's hunky dory. Um, it, it was time to sit back, let other people talk for a little while. 
And uh, I'm happy to be back, man. It, it was weird. Two weeks off felt a lot longer. And maybe that's because of the, the news cycle. We were living in this 24-hour news cycle that was just so overwhelming. Every hour, there was something new that was horrifying and disgusting and horrific. And it's still, it's still kind of going that way. It hasn't really necessarily slowed down. Some things have kind of scaled back, but it hasn't um, really changed at all from last week. Yeah, things are still going a little nuts for sure. Uh, that's just putting it lightly. Um, you know, I, I again, like I, I really, I, I really think. I, actually, no, I don't think. I'm very happy that the conversations are finally happening. I think obviously they're well overdue, and um, you know, I'm glad that we're seeing some sort of progression now. Yeah. Uh, no matter how far the step forward is, it's a step forward nonetheless. So, for as sure. Long- as long as we're progressing forward and it seems like for the first time in a very long time, people are taking notice and actual steps are being put in place to rectify certain situations. It's not just a couple month thing. This is years in the process. Generations, centuries. We're in, we're in the baby steps of step number one, really. And um, it's as much division as there may be. It also seems that there's this great sense of unity in a lot of ways. Um, But the next few months are going to be telling. Um, So let's not hanker on that too much. Um, Taylor, how's the last two weeks been for you on a personal level? It's just been busy. Um, You know, I've. I've kind of gone into a vicious cycle, you know, obviously with obviously with everything that's going on, um, you know, COVID is still very relevant in the situation. There you go, Josh. Josh. Hell yeah. Um, So, you know, people are still freaked out. Sure. Um, uh, the last couple days specifically have been really, really shitty concerning certain things that have happened to certain bands that I absolutely love. And we'll discuss that in a little of bit. Course, of course. And, uh, you know, I've just been trying to get back into PC gaming, trying to do something different. I mean, even I've gone as much as maybe a couple days without playing to go outside and just move around a little bit, do Hell something yeah. different. But it's it's so monotonous. It stinks, man. Honestly. Yeah. I'm I'm with you there, and uh, it's exciting that next week we'll be back in the studio. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that, to really have like an old school session, a bullshit session. Maybe we can get someone in here. We'll bring in the doctor or Growhow or something. Do what Manfro's doing, bro. No, not Bob. Bob sucks. Okay, Manfro's a good call. I'll check what Manfro's doing. Manfro is one of the perfect people to bullshit with. Yeah, um, I agreed with. And I'm sitting here trying to yell at my dog so she doesn't fucking eat cat food, but she's an asshole. You oh, dick. A dog's trying to eat the food that's not theirs. What else is new? Always. Always trying to eat the food that's not theirs. Uh, Josh, I was just asking Taylor, how's your last two weeks been? Uh, pretty solid. Back to work a little bit earlier than I wanted to be. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, poor the, fucking you. Cocksucker. Poor cocksucker. <laughs> cocksucker. Want, dickhead. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, you, 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 you get a couple of weeks off. You just kind of get used to it. I know. You know sure. A lot of, a lot of video games to be played, a lot of TV to watch, and now it's like just like back on the horse. Back to the grind. And your industry is your industry is booming right now. If you uh, have big time. time, you have that much time to play every single Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I don't have a job. I got about I got about a quarter of the way through Odyssey, so it's going to take me a couple of weeks to finish it now, which sucks because I want to play Last of Us, but I'm actually kind of like into this. I like ancient Greece. I like the the mythology of it, and this game does a really it's it doesn't feel like Assassin's Creed. It feels like a different kind of God of War. It's it's a straight RPG. The level grind is the part that I can't stand with that game. That's the only thing I have bad to say about it. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, the last two weeks have been our wells done. That's pretty cool. But my yard's a fucking disaster. So that's going to be a nice little project to work on. Um, In a fortunate news, uh, we're putting the landlord's family dog down tomorrow. So that's not very exciting. Um, Sucks. Sucks. Even no matter how old they get, it still sucks. Um, And I've only known this dog for five years and I love this fucking dog. So tomorrow will be shitty, but figure some junk food, get some fucking pizza. I already got the fridge stack with Coronas. Yeah. Uh, drink, drink the sorrows away. Need some fucking carb load. Carb. Yeah, bro. Gra- grab a couple uh, of sleeves. Yeah. Or a couple uh, of rows. I'm sorry. A couple yeah. rows. Couple rows. Yeah, a, couple, oh, yeah. a couple, a couple pairs. Couple rows. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but you were just saying, um, I did jump back on last of us and I forgot how fucking great of a game it is. I mean, I remembered it being great, but I forgot just how immersive the game is, how ama- how cinematic it is. It also made me very, not just for the part two coming out next week, made me very excited for the HBO series that's being developed right now. Um, but uh, it really is just a spectacular game on every front because uh, I got, I think I, uh, oh, I overdosed on Call of Duty very quickly. So I needed to kind of take a step back and I, I needed a refresher on Last of Us. And I also never played the DLC. So I'll, go, I'll jump right into Left Behind after that, which I heard was pretty good. Yeah, pretty dope. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't play it uh, on the first run through of the game, but when the uh, Ultimate Edition or whatever they called it came the out re- for PS4. That's yeah. what I'm playing. Yeah. Cool. All right. So why don't we just get right into it um, from two weeks ago? Uh, Taylor, you want me to go first? Yeah, I've been waiting two weeks, and and th- okay, so that's the other thing. This these entire two weeks, I've been playing this album because I I fell in love with it again once I gave it to you. And I, and Josh, did you listen too? No. I fucking said whatever. So. Oh wait 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 wait. Yes I did. Yes I did. I forgot. This okay. was two weeks ago. Parkway Drive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Facts. Okay. All right. All right. So so, so Taylor, fucking excited. You were saying that you've been listening to it nonstop for the last two weeks, and I could say I'm in the same boat because I listened to this album a fuck ton the last two weeks. Um, one of our listeners, uh, Kevin, uh, gave you a big shout out the day the last week last episode dropped about how much he loved this album, and he put it behind Spanish love songs of Wonder Years. I don't know if it's in my top five, but it is right in that territory of all the albums I've been given on the show. Um, not what I was expecting. There was some a really cool sound to this. It was almost like a, a Metallica sound at times to it, like m- maybe like Ride the Lightning kind of Metallica sound to it. Yeah. Really appreciated the music on it. Um, th- there was only one song I gave less than a three, and it was a two and a half. Originally, I gave that a one, but it grew on me up to a two and a half, and that was Cemetery Bloom. Um, I liked it. It grew on me. I think it'll grow on me more. It was kind of this like slow and droning, but then it grew on me the more I listened to it. And and being putting it like kind of almost in the middle of the album seemed kind of appropriate. But starting off right away with Wishing Wells, I gave that a four, a great way to start the album. Pray is a fucking banger. Pray yeah. is an awesome song. I gave that a five. Two straight five songs. Uh, absolute power fucking ruled as well. Yo, that part when he hits you with the, the truth drops like a bomb, it Dude. is... So heavy, dude. I love that shit. I was I was walking through ShopRite today, listening to it again, and I'm sitting through the aisles like this, like, like <laughs> popping my fucking head like an asshole. Um, the next song was uh, The Void. I gave that a five. I really like that. Uh, well, Cemetery Bloom was after Absolute Power. So if you remove that, that's three straight fives. I hope you rot. I gave a four. My favorite song on the album was Shadow Boxing. I gave that a five. Yeah. Now, my favorite thing about this song is it's the bridge, like, right to the chorus. It reminds me of Spit It Out, when he does 
where, where when he gets to fuck me, I'm all enemies, where he's kind of speeding up his tempo and yeah. the lyrics. That was fucking awesome. In Blood, I gave a four. Chronos, I gave a four. And the final song, I gave a five as well, The Color of Leaving, because it kind of just slowed everything down. I almost put the full album into picture, into full view, more or less. It didn't, it, a lot of times in metal albums, the heaviest song and the, the first song and the last song are the heaviest on the album because it like bookends it. But I like that this one, it kind of slowed it down at the end, almost like it's easing you into the landing of this epic, epic album. Despite a song on here having a two and a half, I'm going to give this a 4.8 out of five. I'm going to just edge it slightly out because of that 2.5. This is a damn near flawless metal album. Easy to listen to. Listen to it nonstop the last two weeks. Uh, just, just phenomenal, lyrically, musically. And even the music isn't overly complicated, but then they hit you with this fucking breakdown or uh, these fills on drums, just phenomenal music start to finish. His voice is great. His scream is great. The scream to sing is great. Phenomenal album, Taylor. That's fucking awesome. Josh, what did you think? Okay, so I'm not going to dive in as deep as Dan did. Uh, I'm going to give you my uh, rankings by song, but I'm going to tell you what drew me in. Uh, so listening to Wishing Wells. Now, you guys know me. I'm a big metal guy. I've been a big metal guy for a long time, right? Uh, there are some. There are guys that I consider in an upper echelon, and then there's everybody else. Um I got shades of an upper echelon guy on Wishing Wells. So Wishing Wells starts out, it kind of builds up, and then the scream comes in, and I got chills because when he started screaming, I got shades of Randy fucking Blythe. Yeah, that shit, yeah. Bro, I, I was I was hooked in right from there. Uh, so Wishing Wells, I give a five. Pray, I give a five. Absolute Power, I give a five. Uh, I'm kind of with Dan on Cemetery Bloom. It was the weakest song on the album. You know, kind of hit or miss. I give it a three. Um, the Void, I give a four. I Hope You Rot, I give a four. Shadow Boxing, I give a five. In Blood, I give a five. Chronos, I give a five. Color Leaving, I gave a four. So I'll stick with, you know, kind of what Dan says. We don't want to do an even score here. Four, eight. Yeah, four, eight. man. It was, it was your, great. Your inner Dave Portnoy is showing, Josh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> scoring here now my favorite song on the album despite all those absolute bangers is chronos and the chronos reason is awesome the reason chronos is my favorite song is because the song is over at a minute 45 i played the last minute 45 a thousand times in my head just that part where they play the chorus and the bridge and the instrumental for an, for a minute and 40 45 seconds it's absolutely phenomenal what drew me into this record is that it sounds big it sounds yeah. it's arena ready it's like, like epic Exactly. You can't play this at a small show. If you could, it would be crazy. But an album like this and music that Parkway Drive is currently making is made for arenas and fucking stadiums and massive festival crowds. I'm so happy you guys liked it. And I don't have to watch the Green Mile now. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Taylor, go on to your movie. Uh, Okay, so you gave me Analyze This. Starring Billy Crystal and Robert De Niro. Uh, I was led to believe it was a comedy. There's some comedy, there's some comedy elements in there. I honestly didn't laugh all that much. I did like it. Um, it remind it feels more of like a drama gangster movie with some like one-liners. Black uh, comedy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, written and directed by Harold Ramis, the, the great Harold Ramis, comedy genius. And the the funniest parts of this movie come in like I I, I know I'm, the reference is bad, but it comes in like Family Guy cutaways, kind of. Yeah. Uh, 
one specifically I could think of where I had to pause because I was laughing so hard when when Robert De Niro is screaming at one of the mob bosses, you know, I need closure and I just how I'm feeling about this. And he goes, I'm going to cut your fucking balls off. <laughs> so, he hangs, yeah, so he hangs the phone up. And then, you know, and then he's talking to his doctor, Billy Crystal. And then it just flashes back to the two guys. And the guy just looks at him and is like, find out what this closure is and what we're in for. <laughs> yeah, like this. Get a dictionary and find out what this closure is. <laughs> it's little, bit, little bits of absolute comedic brilliance are filtered throughout this movie. Um, it's really well done. I do legitimately feel bad for Billy Crystal's character, even though he is kind of a douche. It, it, like, it's not even really that bad. Um, Robert you want a fresh one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, when he starts smacking a guy at the final like sit down. Dude, I'm how like, oh. funny! How funny is Jelly in that movie? Oh. <laughs> there, there's there, there's elements of the movie that legitimately will make me laugh because it just it's playing on the mob tropes, but to a, it's almost like a comedic episode of The Sopranos. Like if it's always Sunny did a Sopranos episode. Yeah, facts. Uh, I really like Lisa Kudrow. She played she a was really, great. She played a really good love interest but she's forever and always Phoebe. Uh, I really liked, um, I really liked, uh, what the fuck? I can't even remember the guy's name now. Um, Like that played De Niro's right-hand man. Jelly. Jelly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jelly. At his second wedding, when he's like, he's hiding in the bushes and he's like, come here, come here. Yeah. Come here, come here. It's like he, they ruined two of his weddings. Um, it's a it's a brilliantly well-directed, well-written movie all very around. Very quick. It's very quick. It's a it's a fun watch. It's not like hysterical, but it's a very fun watch. Yeah, it definitely does break tension because there's a lot of real moments in there with the shootout. You know, with De Niro. I just like how he, Billy Crystal, even gets involved as he rear ends him, and then it's a body in the trunk, like still alive. I love duct taping it. Duct taping the trunk, dude, was hilarious. Even does the forget about it when they do that over and over again. Yo, when De Niro calls uh, his father in law, what did he call him? A hard arm? Yeah, he goes, I, I, oh, that's not nice to say. But I say, hi, you're so and so, the hard arm? <laughs> you're Paulie V. You're the, you're the mobster. The gangster. That's, that's not nice. That's not De Niro, nice. De, and De Niro and Crystal have a, a, like, you wouldn't expect those two to have as good a chemistry as they do. And I would suggest, since you like this one at some point, watch Analyze That because it is a very good bookend to the story. Um, and it, it was as good a sequel, I would say. Okay, I'll, I'll probably check it out at some point. But uh, I, I got HBO Max now. I found out there's Samurai Jack on there. Actually. Oh yeah. So what would you give? Analyze this on your uh, your score scale. Give it a six point six. Fair. Cool. It's fair. It's funny. It's redeeming. There's probably a great. The, the sequel more than likely is great. Yeah. So uh, yeah, six six for me. Cool. All right, so I have a very interesting challenge for all of us this week. Yeah, um, challenges for for, for the for the movie. Okay, this is something we haven't done before. I'm gonna give a movie that none of us have seen. Okay, okay. Right. In fact, this movie doesn't even come out until Friday. Um, okay. It's dropping on digital this Friday. It's Judd Apatow's next movie, The King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson. Nice. I thought it'd be cool if all of us watch it and then we discuss it. We can have a full on breakdown of it. I've been hearing very good things about it, particular praise for Bill Burr, um, Pete Davidson getting a lot of praise. And then the the British girl from The Morning Show plays Pete Davidson's girlfriend in it. And yeah. uh, we always like Marissa Tomei. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Hey, so, um, so I figured let's have some fun with it. It's something we're all going in fresh. It comes out this Friday. The pick for this week is the King of Staten Island, and it's the pick for the show. Awesome. I really can't wait. I actually just watched the trailer for it again. Uh, my buddies came by, and we were hanging out on Saturday. And he goes, have you heard about this new Apatow movie with that Davidson guy that dated Ariana, Ariana Grande? I go, yeah, dude, the King of Staten Island. It looks great. So I showed him. The, I showed my buddy Tyler the, um, the trailer. And the best part of that entire tra- the entire trailer is when they're singing that one song no one knows any of the words to except for the, the last the- in the middle. What's funny about that is um, when the trailer first came out, the landlord was like, I know all the words. I was like, all right, I'm going to play it. And it started. She's like, all right, I know the chorus. She doesn't yeah. know the whole chorus. It's Bob Dylan's son. It's Matt Dylan in the Wallflowers. Yeah, dude. And uh, one I, I, I love I love Bill Burr. He was great in The Mandalorian. He's, he was Breaking uh, Bad. Great on Breaking Bad. He was great in Chappelle's show. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all that shit. But yeah, I'm very excited. So what's right, your pick so my, for this week, Taylor? So my album this week um, is from a band that I just tweeted about last night. Um, okay. Last week was, I believe, the two-year anniversary of the passing of Kyle Pavone, the uh, the clean vocalist of We Came As Romans. And that's the band you're going to get this week is We Came As Romans. And their album is going to be Tracing Back Roots. For my money, this is their best album. Um, it was right after this is when they started kind of changing the sound, you know, trying to be a little more experimental with how the band uh, the band sounded. And it really like this is one. This is a classic case of you trying to like experiment with different things, and it's just not working out. Um, you know, it was met with really, really bad backlash, saying that okay. you know they're a shell of their former selves. And uh... from what know, yeah, and what we know now. This is it, that was part of a contributing factor as to what happened to Kyle, to my knowledge, because um, he did die of an overdose about two years ago. Um, big kudos to the guys that we came as Romans for not replacing him. Just the others, the the uh, the screamer taking up clean vocals and their bass player taking up the screams. So you got to respect that. Um, but this is my favorite album by them. Tracing Back Roots came out in 2013. Um, and I want to highlight the one song in particular, which I think everyone should listen to, given today's circumstances, um, is a song called Hope. Um, I was listening to it last night and the day before, and I kind of welled up a little bit because how much I miss Kyle, how much I miss going to shows, and just how much I miss the entire scene as a whole. Um, but yeah, we came as Romans, Tracing Back Roots. Cool. I'm excited to listen to it. Um, yeah, as you just said, uh, you missed a scene because no one knows when we're going to be able to go to a fucking, not just, not a concert, because I think within my fall, we'll be able to go to stuff at the, the Prudential Centers of the world. But uh, as I told you guys in a text message yesterday, the, the small show scene is really in a lot of trouble right now. Um, I don't know. I, I told these guys in a text message yesterday that uh, a survey went out to 2000 independent venues and 90 percent of them said that if things aren't not limited capacity open, completely open in the next six months, they're expecting to sh- shutter their doors. And many are already expecting the close as is. Um, it, I hope that's not the case, because as much as I love <clears throat> seeing, you know, a Slipknot, Tool, those kind of bands at Prudential Center, you guys were amped to see Mike Chem at Prudential Center or Barclays, wherever you were going. It, there's nothing better than a show at like a Starland Ballroom, this, this gritty, raw place that holds 2,000 people. There's a VFW across the street. You can get drunk beforehand. You, you, you stand on your feet the whole time. You're, you're sweating against each other. You can't really go anywhere and fuck some in the bathroom unless you want 
to fuck everyone in the bathroom. Um, I, it's it sucks. I, I I hope this isn't the case. I I don't have much optimism though. I have. I'm holding out hope. Um, I hope. I don't have optimism. Let me rephrase. Because that's all I really got. Like that's literally my favorite thing to do. Um, if that becomes extinct, just just put a bullet in my brain. Seriously. Well, I don't think. I don't think it's gonna. What I think is ultimately gonna happen is that. And I was telling you guys this like a month after quarantine started was that Starland was in a lot of trouble. And I, I don't think it's going to go extinct. I think that it's going to take probably once everything opens up, let's say everything opens up fully in six months and let's go, let's look worst case scenario. Okay. Because sometimes you got to do that because then the, the, if something like that doesn't happen, you're pleasantly surprised. Worst case scenario, 90% of these places close. Um, I think six months after that, you're going to see places rally and buy these places and it's going to slowly return. It, it's probably, a, a year or so out before there's going to be small shows on any level because they, they're, they don't, they weren't even covered by the payroll protection program. These small venues, these independent venues. So they couldn't pay their guys, let alone insurance for the place. They did drop all their insurance coverage. So when they have a show, they have no insurance on the building. There's so yeah. many factors to it. It sucks. Yeah. It, there's again, it, it's a business aspect of things. Shut up, Lacey. And there's there's a business aspect of things that not uh, uh, most fans don't really understand when it goes into the upkeep, the overhead. Just turning the lights on, they're already they're already in the hole, and I got to make that up. Um, yeah. So I, I I want it back. I mean, me too, man. I was really really going for it. And say, let's just say worst case scenario, what you just said happens, right? Nothing opens up. People fuck like everything closes. Starlands closed. Webster Hall, Terminal Five, it's all closed. New York City makes a little more sense to me, but that's with you know neither here nor there. Sure. Um, I like I like I would find a way. I would go to a bank and said, "Here, here's all my stuff. Let's go fucking buy Starland." Uh, we what we do is we we start um like a Patreon and tell people we want to bring back the local music scene. We'll book the bands you want. Everyone donate. If you donate, you'll have a say in a band we try signing. I actually thought about this last night. I was like, how can we do this where we rally around it and we, you know, we make a committee rather than one person calling a shot. It's a committee that is involved with it. And it's by the fans for the fans. Yeah. And and we, we, we make sure the IHOP sign remains. We always, make sure that always we, have the, we make sure we keep the VFW going. Mm-hmm. We make sure that there's white claws and good supply for people like Josh. <laughs> yeah, baby. We, we make sure that Kaluchi gets us all the pizza we ask for. And we make sure <laughs> and, we, and we also mandate a rule. And this is my first declaration as a new owner of Starland Ballroom: is that if you are under the age of fifty, you cannot wear earplugs. You need to lose your hearing. You can't be worrying about losing your hearing. You have to lose it. So no earplugs. Colucci gets everyone pizza. White claws, glory holes, our music. Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. Why you throw? Well, I'm, I'm actually I'm amped up. Why can't we crowdfund? Why can't we crowdsource this saying. shit, bro? You know, like like if you have a, if you're in the scene and you have a venue that you care about, why wouldn't you be down to throw in fifty bucks a month so they can fucking pay their bills? Right? How many people do we know that go to Starland Ballroom that be willing to pay the price they pay for a ticket to see their favorite band there and even make tears like what you would pay for a meet and greet at Starland, and then we buy it, we run it. 
We pick the bands. We tell some shitty bands. We tell Aaron Lewis, you're not doing an acoustic set. You, unless you're playing Stained. Facts. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I do think it's something we should explore if it does go that route. And it doesn't have to be Starlet. It could be any one of these local type places. But I am very interested in doing that. And you could even find someone if you need a big investor. I know some people. Okay. I, I happen to have someone in my family. I won't say he's my brother. But he is, he, he is always looking to purchase real estate and some kind of investment. And uh, we'll see. Maybe. It's just a, it's just an interesting idea. Um, would, so, guys. It would just be wild if you think about it. Like, so, so what? Okay. So, when it happens, let's just say it now. When it happens, when we all own Starland Ballroom, in the contract, <laughs> in the contract it's going to say, for every band that plays, Taylor gets one song with every band. doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'll put my own stipulations in there too. I don't know what mine will be. I, I want to eat at least one hot dog with every band. That's my <laughs> stipulation. Oh, yeah. Hi, hi, dog. Um, so, guys, in the last couple of weeks, what have you been watching? Uh, so just before we hopped on, I haven't really been watching too much. I've actually been listening. As so, it's funny. Instead of watching, I've been listening. <laughs> T. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's a, a fucking great one. Uh, home run, Micah. <laughs> uh, fucking home run, Mike. Micah, stupid. Hey, Mike. Uh, that still makes me angry. Uh, <laughs> not when you say it. You know what it was. I know, I know. Uh, so I, I, I've been listening a lot more. The stuff I sent you today was just like the tip of the iceberg, which was like I was listening to a lot of ONA, um, a lot of Rogan, a lot of your mom's house. I've been listening to a lot more uh, radio. Um, okay. And, and the, like, I have like the one thing I haven't like the one thing I definitely did watch. I, I told you about it. I was watching the roast of Rich Boss. Oh, it was one so good. Funniest things. Dude, when when uh, I'm so mad that Jimmy went first because Jimmy called Big J Okerson. He's like, you look like the cowardly lion that he dressed up as uh, Dice Clay for Halloween. Like, it's one <laughs> yeah, of that's what, that is what Big J looks like. Fucking lines I've ever heard. Jimmy, about. Jimmy was the roast master at that one, correct? No, oh, Bonnie was, was his wife. Bonnie McFarlane was. Bo Bonnie's great, too. Bonnie is one of the funniest, not just women, but people in comedy. She She's able to keep up with, like, Patrice said that she was the only woman that could own him in, like, a diss battle. Yeah, no, I, that, I, I, that I completely, uh, you know, I get. But uh, so the uh, one last joke, the other joke that, uh, what's his name, Jimmy said was, like, you know, Everyone on this stage are a bunch of nobodies. If this place burns down to the ground, the headline will read: uh, "Comedy Club uh, Colin Quinn and Comedy Club burns to the ground." <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true. And I got to think that roast was back in what year? Was it 2013, 2014? Yeah, 2013 at the Comedy Cellar in New York. Yeah, and that was. Um, it's funny because now I would say Jimmy is like probably he's a, he's not necessarily on Colin's level, but he's a pretty big star between uh, the UFC podcast. Chippa's fucking huge. Um, so I would say Jimmy's probably a big star now. I would say Jim and Sam is a relatively yeah. big show now, man. I like yeah. I, I, they're the only two reasons I'm even I've even considered getting Sirius XM. Yeah, well, thankfully I know about YouTube channels that air it immediately after the episode's done. <laughs> yeah, you need to send me links and shit. Remind me. Josh, what about you? What have you been watching? Uh, so I watched Space Force. It was okay. Five out of uh, five out of ten. Um, yeah, you know, there's some I, I, chuckles. Once I realized it was a five out of ten, I just stopped. I was like, "There's nothing that's going to be memorable here for me." Maybe it's better season two because they know what the mistakes they made, but I don't have a lot of faith. 
Um, I've been spending some time um, listening to some of the other, uh, like some of the bigger podcasts, uh, some of the higher up on the chart stuff to try to draw away some inspiration and stuff. And, you know, there's some uh, some cool, cool, cool ideas that uh, I think that we're going to bring to the show when uh, when we get back in the studio. I wish we were in the studio because actually, believe it or not, one of the one of the shows I've been listening to is Call Her Daddy. And uh, the content listened. The content is not so much on my level, but I have to I have to praise Alex Cooper because she's smart as hell, dude. The way she edits that show, um, it's pre- it's pretty impressive. Uh, it, it's a really good quality show. Uh, the, her format's great. Like I said, the content is not for me, and I, I wish we were in studio uh, and I had all of my full capabilities because right here I would drop a "Hey baby, ever have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat?" <laughs> <laughs> See, that would that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, I uh, so the landlord started watching. Uh, she decided to put on Better Call Saul for herself, and then I got caught up watching it again, even though I literally just watched it before the fifth season aired. Um, so I'm watching that with her again. Literally, she started a week ago. We're almost completely caught up. So we've been fucking booking through it. Um, I started doing uh, watching through the Hannibal Lecter movies again for some reason. That's you know I caught Silence of the Lamb on TV the other day. And I was like, I want to watch all of them now, including Hannibal Rising, which is a fucking chore. Not very good interesting premise but did you really need to know why hannibal's hannibal no no i I think not knowing how he got there is part of the lore that's what makes it cool well and the thing is in the book hannibal not the movie they they allude to it they kind of they kind of tell you why he is that way but it's just like tidbits it's not the whole story and the build-up and then these added things in um so that I've been doing. Uh, I don't know if I've been watching. I mean, I explore an HBO Max. They had the Dark Knight Returns animated movies on there, so I watched those again. Outside of that, there's, I mean, it's always sunny. I'm watching again because I put it on when I go to sleep because I never get sick of it. I did watch The Matrix the other day. Hell yeah, you can always watch so good. The Matrix. Wow. It's always it's always worth a watch. So, you know what's so funny? The other day in the group chat, Taylor and I got into a. Um, we can do this once every month where it's a full conversation where we pretty much use the entire screenplay from Twister. It's like every <laughs> fucking word. And then that same day, I found this great Twitter account called Movie Details. There was something about Twister in there right after he had it. I sent it to you, Taylor, that when they go into the F5, that um, Dusty, the great Philip Seymour Hoffman, starts playing a Deep Purple song that's 10 minutes and 15 seconds long, and they're in the tornado for 10 minutes and 15 seconds. And I'm like, that is such the, that is the heaviest handed filmmaking in a disaster movie ever. It's so and, stupid, dude. And um, then I go on Twitter today and there's something te- there's trending Twister 2. I'm like, are they making Twister 2? <laughs> Someone was like, Twister 2, electric boogaloo. <laughs> like, oh, Twister. not like the movie. Oh, wait. No, because no, now it's I'm just people, for- people making shit up. Although for years, Bill Paxton was trying to get the great Bill Paxton, rest in peace, um, was trying to get Twister to be made, and it just never worked out. Wait, Bill what? Paxton died? Shut the fuck up. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. What the fuck did that happen? Like three Paxton years ago. A couple years. <laughs> Game over, <right>. man. <laughs> I'll, tell you exa- I'll tell you exactly when he died. Okay, so yeah, he died February 25th, 2017. That, see, that's more <laughs> offensive than me not knowing John Ritter was dead for seven years. No. That's yeah, because John Ritter is way worse. 
No, because John Ritter's not as cool as Bill Paxton. Hey, hey, how about me not realizing Ebert was dead for fucking 10 years? That's true, but I would say based on that, like, Bill Paxton's the fucking coolest. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I, I saw Suzanne Summers on TV, and I thought she was dead. So yeah. I've been taking out members of Three's company. Is Mr. Roper alive? Is <laughs> Wait, so, so when Bill Paxton died, it was such a big deal. I was living in Florida at the time. My dad sent me an article that said Bill Paxton dead, RIP and stuff. And I go, wait a minute. Wait, when, when have you ever watched fucking Twister and shit? Like, when have you ever watched any of that? What was he, goes, he referencing? Was he uh, referencing Tombstone or Aliens or True Tomb Lies? Tombstone. Dude, he was in the Terminator, the original Terminator movie. He was one of the fucking uh, the greasers that Arnold first beats up. Dude, exactly. I mean, he was in Edge of Tomorrow. He was great in Edge of Tomorrow as the drill sergeant. I, that uh, that HBO series he was in, even though I didn't like Big Love. He, oh. he was good in that. He was great in Hatfield and McCoy's. Yeah. Was in, uh, dude, Frailty. Frailty. Frailty is one of the most underrated movies in the last 30 years, and it's not even debatable for me. It is a fucking wonderfully perfect film. It's great. It's amazing. All right. I want to change gears a little bit. Um, let's let's not necessarily address what's been happening in the world, but some things that's been happening because of what's happening in the world. Um, so last night it comes out that HBO Max is pulling Gone with the Wind from the stream um, because of its uh, racial depictions. Um, for those of you that are, it's funny because we were just talking about Gone with the Wind a month ago on here when I watched it for the first time. Um, it, obviously, Gone with the Wind takes place during the Civil War and post-Civil War. And it depicts slaves. It doesn't show them getting beat or lashed. Slavery is wrong in general. Let me get that out of the way. It showed that the slaves worked as um, like maids and housekeepers even after because they had nowhere else to go. It um, showed the whole thing, how they got um, uh, an acre of land or three acres of land and things like that. And people wanted it pulled. I don't know who these people were. Generally, in these situations, it's uh, white people that are trying to do too much. And I think if anything we can learn from everything happening is that it's time for white people to shut the fuck up every so often. Um, but so they pulled it. And while completely ignoring the historical significance beyond it being a landmark film, is that Hattie McDaniel won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her portrayal of Mammy in Gone with the Wind, becoming the first African-American, not, not just male, not just female, not director, the first African-American to win an Oscar. And she did so in a, in a building that was segregated. So she had to sit at a different table and went up there and gave one of the most eloquently beautiful speeches in Oscar history. Humble, grateful. Um, and when you remove Gone with the Wind, you're single-handedly erasing this major monumental moment in an industry that to this day you're saying is not inclusive of African-Americans, that they don't honor African-American filmmakers and actors and actresses. And now you want to wipe out this achievement, the very first woman, African-American woman to win an Oscar. And to me, that is doing too much. I think there's a way that you can address the controversy of Gone with the Wind by putting a disclaimer or a message from the, the owner of HBO, someone about it, and anything else that might be racially insensitive. You got to think, when Gone with the Wind was made, when there was, you know, a little more Let's be fair here. They were still very racist. And what, what time period it's depicting, it's two elements here. But I think just wiping it out and wiping out Hattie McDaniel's phenomenal performance is a mistake. Yeah, I, it's 
it's an all-time great movie. Most most like high-class movie critics will put it as a top five American film ever made. No um, less than top five. Yeah, right. You know, up there with like Citizen Kane, Doctor Strange, love shit like that. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's a very it's a very good movie. It's a good learning tool. It's sure. um. It, it you know it's a it's a peek into what you know what what life used to be like, what um you know. It's just I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me why you would pull something like that when it's clearly it's not glorifying slavery by any means. That's the part I don't understand. I, I think the the issue that people tend to have is that the the main characters in um, Scarlett O'Hara and Rhett Butler are Confederates and they're they're bashing the North and the idea that their their way of life is being taken from them. So I think the problem is the the mo- the, the moral standpoint of the the characters, the heroes of the movie, are ones that still wanted to stand for the confederacy and it's a valid point i i don't i don't think there there's any argument against that that their their viewpoints are um flawed you know flawed but for lack of a better word but we have to remember a couple things it is a movie it i got people i got people facetime videoing me now too um you know, based on a book, great point, Josh. And there, there's just some things that I, I think people are they're overstepping their bounds. To me, the biggest point is ignoring Hattie McDaniel's win. I, I just think that you know you, you you criticize the Oscars every year because you know um, uh, what's it called? Black Klansman doesn't win an Oscar, but Green Book does. Uh, the White Savior Complex, and now these people who, no matter what their intentions are, even if they are noble, they they want to erase this, and I, that's not something I could ever fully get down with. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the right call. It just it seems like a very cautious and reaction. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, Gone with the Wind has been in the crosshairs for a while. It's over the last couple of years. It's popped up. Yeah. But like specifically now, I mean, just within these last two weeks, you know, obviously, you know, circumstances have dictated most of anyone's reactions and deservingly so. I you know what I mean? So. I don't want to say it's an overreaction. I say it's more of Fair. like uh, trying to lay low and that I, you know, That's I do fair. understand, you know, because That's a good point. You know, HBO HBO isn't racist. They're just, you know what I mean? Like they're just a streaming service and it's yeah, just, a, just putting it's, things out there. It's another piece of content. That's all it at at its core, Gone with the Wind is just a piece of content. That's exactly what it is. And I don't I don't think it's gonna hold up being removed. I think they will end up putting some type of disclaimer at the forefront of it, kind of like they do on every episode of the morning show about the subject matter it's dealing with. Um, I hope that's the case because like you the one other point you brought up is good that it is a learning tool that it was one of the great looks into what the mindsets were of people down there right when the civil not just during the Civil War, but when it ended and they're, the Yankees were coming to take their land and do this, this, and that. Arrest people that were working for the Confederate Army, not just soldiers, because despite if it upsets people, Confederate soldiers, fallen soldiers, are honored as American veterans. But the generals and everything were arrested and tried, yada yada. Sure. Um, you know, so the guy with the wind is the first thing that came up. And there's a couple of things that have come out in the last couple hours here. The big one that surprised me is that NASCAR has officially banned the Confederate flag at their races. That is a huge, huge deal. So that that uh, listen, as much as we understand what the Confederate flag stands for, 
And because so is NASCAR a, is NASCAR a private company? Like I just want to try to figure yeah, out. Yeah, they they can they can dictate. It's just like that. You can't bring in a book bag a certain size to it. They can say that we don't want that up here. Just like the WWE can, if you bring in a sign for AEW, they can take it from you. Right. So what I, I understand why people would get mad and say it's against your First Amendment rights. However, that being said, and because it is a private entity, like you just said, they can do whatever the fuck they want. That's not, you know, obviously not illegal and illicit, you know, shit that's happening. Saying that you don't want the Confederate flag at your races is a fair fucking thing to ask. I don't Especially think. It- in the light, uh, in the light of everything that's happening, I've been to one NASCAR race in my life. I went to Pocono Raceway, and there were more Confederate flags there than there were American flags. Yeah. And the, the argument that people make is that you know, okay, it represents Southern pride. It's a rebel flag. Whatever you want to make those points, that's fine. What the fuck did New Jersey have to do with the Confederacy besides kicking their ass? Nothing at all. <laughs> so that. Down south, I can understand it a little more. I still think it's absurd because there isn't a single person that wants to fly the Confederate flag that is not a racist. Okay, it's Josh, you would say West Milford High School. We saw a ton of Confederate flags Was every single person that had one of those flags a racist. That's a that's a that's a that's a double edged sword, Uh, because I can honestly say at the time, 75 percent of them. Yeah. Did they grow as people? Maybe. Oh, oh, certainly. I'm just saying that the that the the flag itself it was always tied up in racism itself. It wasn't yeah. just like I'm not and saying that those that represents those people's views now at all. But I'm saying in our experience, everyone that I knew then that flew it around was a racist at the time. Not that it says they're a yeah. racist now. So thank you for and, correcting you know, me on that. My my thing with it, and this is this is the argument that I hate. It's like oh well, it represents tradition. My family goes back 200 years. It's like all right, so you're fucking proud that your family lost a fucking war. Yeah, yeah, right? and and the, those, fuck those, yourself. Same, those same people that will say that if they're proud of their heritage 200 years ago are the ones that'll tell black people to get over slavery. Yeah. So yeah. if we can hold on to that, why can't they hold on to that? And I, I people are I I know I'm gonna get messages about being a social justice warrior in this front. I have always thought the Confederate flag is fucking stupid. It's a traitor's flag. Sorry, and it's a loser's flag. Yes. So again, I, I see both sides of the argument. I see how it's freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want. I don't disagree with that. I understand, but you can't. What you, what both you just said. You can't take away the history of what the flag represents. You can't. You yeah. can't say that a half of the United States at the time seceded and became their own fucking country, and then fought with the other half of the United States, and say you're proud of that. That doesn't make any sense. And the primary thing you fought over were slaves. Yeah, and some people will argue, oh, no, it was just about states' rights. But what were the states' rights you were fighting for? Slaves. Ridiculous. So a a quick little tidbit about the Civil War, because that was Abraham Lincoln. He was the president of the— of the second favorite civil engineer. Yeah. Um, I've been reading his book, The Fiery Trial. Oh, that's a great fucking book. It's amazing. Eric Foner is a fantastic, fantastic author. It. Thank God for Henry Rollins for saying that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so I'm reading about it. And both presidents at the time, I forget the president Confederacy, but then obviously Abraham Lincoln. They both wrote letters to the Pope saying that if you got if you had papal backing and if you had the backing of the Catholic Church, it was more likely you were going to win for financial reasons. Like it was just going to be a better outlook for you. So both presidents write letters to the Pope. The Pope writes two letters, one for each. 
Abraham Lincoln got his first and therefore claimed that claimed that the church backed the union and to free the slaves. And that was a wrap. And that was one of the turning points of the war. Oh, now so I'm that, going I'm going nuts trying to remember the, the president of the Confederate Jefferson Davis. That's Jeff, who it is. Jefferson Finnis Davis. Yeah. Jefferson so Davis. it's just a neat little tidbit. Also, a little plug for the fiery trial. If you're any historian, read that fucking book. It's absolutely amazing. But yeah, get it. Just do. Just get it out. Get it out. It's. I, and I, I agree completely. I don't think that the Confederate flag should be made illegal. I, I, I do believe it falls under the uh, freedom of speech as much as I think it's fucking stupid um, that you have a right to feel that way. Uh, and unfortunately, in this country, the, the, there, there are drawbacks to freedom of speech. It's, un, it's unfortunately, unfortunately, you know what I mean? That right. Unfortunately, it gives you the right to be a cocksucking asshole. Um, <laughs> I mean that, and listen, that, that that's helped me out plenty of times. Yes, but, I, I, but uh, I'm not saying it should be legal. But the fact that these people are so unwilling to acknowledge what it truly does represent is amazing. And did you see Stone Cold Steve Austin's reply about the Confederate flag that he did to someone? I uh, saw that he wrote a reply, and I saw that it was in all caps. I just right, didn't. I got- I got to read it to you because it is, and I, it's, it's perfect stone cold. Um, someone, uh, let me find it here. Cause it makes me like stone cold even more. Cause he, sh- he he's the first person to expect to be like a good old boy to want to stir shit up and probably be a racist and, you know, uh, a homophobe and he's defending gay marriage on his podcast. Um, all right. So this is what he said to someone about, uh, the Confederate flag that was defending it. He said, that's nice and all, but if I recall, it don't matter what it means to you because to African-Americans everywhere, it is a symbol of oppression, hatred, and inequality. So your little heritage, not hate story, don't mean shit because your stupid little heritage was built on the backs of slaves and identifying with that kind of sort of definitely makes you trash in the Texas rattlesnake's eyes. So you can continue to spew your bullshit, but just know that none of us care, you dumb racist some bitch, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, you dumb racist some bitch. Cannot be yeah. summed up any better than that. And God bless Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, so the next thing that plays into this is um, one of my favorite uh, non-Mets of the last 20, 30 years was Tory Hunter. I was a big, big fan of Tory Hunter on the Twins, on the Angels. He was a fantastic player, not a Hall of Famer, but a very, very good player. Um, He released an interview last week or he had some kind of interview where he said that when he signed his last deal with the Angels and, you you know, players worked or no trade clauses and you put in a certain certain teams and cities you want to want to play for. Tory Hunter only had one team on his no trade clause. And do you know who that team was? Was it the Yankees? No, it was the Boston. No, it was the garbage Boston Red Sox. (laughs) It was it was the Boston Red Sox. And he said it was because of the fans. He said it wasn't the players. It wasn't the ownership, the management or anything, but that he had called the N word by more fans in Boston than all the other MLB cities combined. And it wasn't just adults. It was children with their parents. And the Red Sox, to their credit, two hours ago, released a statement. Um, Tory Hunter's experience is real. If you doubt him because you've never heard it yourself, take it from us. It happens. Last year, there were seven reported incidents at Fenway, Fenway Park where fans used racial slurs. Those are just the ones we know about. And it's not only the players. It happens to the dedicated black employees who work for us on game days. Their uniforms may be different, but their voices and experience are just as important. We're grateful to everyone who's spoken up and remained committed to using our platform to amplify the many voices who are calling out injustice. There are well-established consequences for fans who use racial slurs and hate speech in our venue, and we know we have more work to do. This small group of fans does not represent who 
we are, but are rather a reflection of the larger systemic issues that as an organization we need to address. True change starts from within, and as we identify how we can do better, please know we are listening, we hear you, and we believe you. I was impressed with that statement. Yeah, it's it's very well done, um, and you know they address things realizing that listen, shit. Like, I don't want to say shit happens, but that's you know that's the term I'm going with, is that uh, you know you, you can't police everyone. Sometimes it just sure. shit's gonna slip through the crack, and it's not an accurate representation of the Boston Red Sox, of the city of Boston, shit like that. So the I understand. Problem, the the problem is. Um, the city that I've always heard the most racial things tied up in uh, as far as sports go is Boston. Like players have always said they get the end at the worst as far as racial slurs go in Boston. I mean, Boston can act as progressive as they want. I, they're one of the most racist cities that isn't Mississippi or racist areas. that isn't Mississippi or Alabama. You know what I mean? And I, I appreciated Tory Hunter saying that. And I appreciate I, Despite what Josh thinks of the Red Sox, you got to appreciate them actually saying, yeah, our fans suck sometimes. Most of, time yeah listen you know i gotta appreciate the red sox coming out and and admitting what we've all known for the longest time is that their fan base is garbage you know it's a garbage city garbage town garbage people garbage stadium garbage team i mean they have what nine championships fucking pocket change get out of here so i'm gonna argue with saying it's garbage city and a garbage stadium no it is not boston is a marvelous city one of the worst cities in the united states to drive in i will admit that but the city is fantastic so much um you know so much history there i do disagree with you with that but yes i when when we were in boston for my buddy's bachelor party we didn't go to the hotel first we went to some local bar and there is some local in there screaming about something about 1776 and i'm like is it alex jones no it wasn't alex jones 1776 will commence again he was way too skinny and tiny to be alex jones <laughs> um, he was like just screaming in his boston accent while he's like eating clam chowder i'm like you are a literal like boston stereotype is what you are <laughs> well, uh, again, I definitely appreciate. You know what? The thing that, like, that you saw all these teams release statements, except for the Knicks and Rangers, because James Dolan held out till he said anything. <laughs> because it is the the most ridiculous thing for the Knicks. It, it actually makes the most sense. I'd be surprised if the Knicks were at the front of these things. Um, it actually made sense that they were the last team. Um, that you said in the beginning, Taylor, that it's forcing a, a real conversation and acknowledgement. Um, it, it's it's time to have some uncomfortable conversations, and I think that's one of the big reasons why we got here. Beyond you know racism itself, is that people don't want to have conversations, and they think it is as simple as this. It's statistics. It's this, these are the crime rates in these communities. They look at it just on a base level rather than saying there's there's a gray area in here. There's in between the lines, and it's time we talk about it. And some people just are going to believe what they want to believe. And those people, they're they're allowed to feel that way. You don't have those people in your life. Good people don't generally. Yeah. Um, again, it's all up. It's all at the end of the day, it's up to each individual person to look themselves in the mirror and identify what's wrong and what changes need to be made. Um, it's as simple as that. You know, if you do have shitty people in your life, I think it's time to reevaluate specifically now. Um I really think that, you know, I agree with you a thousand percent. It's time to have some uncomfortable conversations. It's a, it's time to look you know, for a lot of us to look in the mirror and see what kind of person are we really. Um, yeah. 
finding ways to contribute to the cause, to try to not cause too much. Educate, educate yourself, educate others. When so, all this, go ahead, go ahead. I know, so the, the, the biggest example I could say of someone being educated, and it was a trial by fire, and I don't think he meant any disrespect when he taught, when he said what he said initially, but Drew Brees. So oh, amazing, Gr- great, great thing to bring up. So Drew Brees initially was says he doesn't understand about you know kneeling kneeling for the flag. It's disrespecting the the, 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 the flag, the troops, yada yada. Now to be fair, that is a very valid argument, and I do understand. But at the same time, it's any it's everyone's First Amendment right sure. to not to kneel during the national anthem. Just like as silly as it sounds, and it's not nearly the same thing. It was my right in high school to stop saying the Pledge of Allegiance after my freshman year of high school. You know sure. what I mean? I didn't have to, but the, the the fact that you know he came out, he said what he said. He was criticized by teammates, specifically Michael Thomas, Demario Davis, and Malcolm out. Jenkins with the fire, the fieriest, fieriest, fieriest. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> the most fiery. So instead of Drew Brees just literally doing a rope a dope, laying on the ropes and just hoping everyone gets tired and just forgets about what he said. He probably has, again, we don't know what happened behind closed doors, but he probably has a conversation with Michael, probably has a conversation with Sean Payton, Demario Davis, other leaders on the team, and he he becomes educated. Now, and he puts out that press release that kind of, I don't want to say redeems because that's not really what I mean, but it's, he comes out and he says, listen, I I didn't really, I didn't try to offend anyone. I wasn't trying to be a jerk about it. This is just my point of view. And it's okay. And again, Tony Dungy said it best too. Drew Brees is allowed to feel what he feels and we're allowed to disagree. Yeah. That's and the I, best and, way it can be fucking brought down to. And to Drew's credit, beyond that, he said that he didn't understand what it actually was for a lot of these players that were kneeling, his teammates, why they were doing it, what it meant to them. And he took the time to educate himself. He, he had a virtual team meeting with the Saints that actually like a whole bunch uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on it, Bill Russell, Shaq. And they said that he, he really took it head on. Um, and then, of course, President Trump had to issue a statement about Drew Brees. And to Drew Brees' credit, he went right back at him saying, like, no, I'm with my teammates, dude. And people are saying that he's groveling and apologizing. No, he's it, this is the big problem in the world that there is a lack of empathy when someone disagrees with you on both sides. And listen, it's not it's a two way street, but trying to understand. And I'm sure his teammates tried to understand where he came from as well. And they're going to find a middle ground. And that was the big problem that the NFL had with Colin Kaepernick is that they said, this is how it is. You have to do it like this. And he got blackballed by the league. And I said it, even though I didn't agree with Kaepernick, but I said he's been blackballed by the league. I supported his right to do it as much as I may not have liked it. He did get blackballed by the league. And, you know, I want to come out and say right now, when people were initially kneeling, I was a 1000 percent against it. At the time, so I, I didn't like it. I, we had an argument about this on the show a few months ago where I said, I don't like it, but I it's also to me, it's your First Amendment. Right. It's just yeah, it's right. like every yeah. different. And it's it, I don't have to like it. But I, I think that's problem is when we make the flag just about one thing. And so when, what to me, the flag is supposed to represent what America is supposed to be to anyone. And if there is a segment of people, no matter their race, religion, sexual orientation, gender, that feels the flag is not representing them it's your right man i don't have to like it i will never kneel for the national anthem but if one of my friends does it because he doesn't believe uh he disagrees with something i'm still gonna love my friend and find out why he feels that way 
Yeah. And so, again, and then for me on a personal level, like I said, going from my my initial stance, which was totally against it. I don't understand it. I think it's very disrespectful. Sure. Having a Canadian flag hanging by me in the background. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It's an every time I die flag. So calm down. Um, But again, you talked about being educated. I have been more educated these last two weeks on certain things that have been happening in the world. I knew about. You know, stuff like police brutality. I've tweeted about stuff like that before. But I've never really, again, I've never really understood fully what certain races go through in this country. And obviously, you know, it's been so widespread that it's now not just a national headline. It's a global headline. London, New Zealand, France, Paris. Australia. Australia, all these different places that, quite frankly, have other things that they have to attend to. But at the same time, America, we everyone in the world looks at us and says, what are they going to do next? What's going to happen here? What are are they going to do and how are are we going to follow suit? Because they're always at the front of the line and they know what the fuck they're doing. The fact that the world is rallying behind George Floyd, they're rallying behind the Black Lives Matter movement, they're rallying behind racial injustice and police brutality, even though the fact that it was brought on by such a terrible event, by such a crooked amount of people, and the fact that it's been covered up by our crooked-ass president, I'm sorry, and at the end of the day, it is an amazing thing to see on a global stage how people are united in the same fucking thing. If yeah, you if you can take anything away from this, obviously there's a lot of good that's going to come from this. There's going to be bad. Those are just regular consequences. But if you could take anything away, the biggest thing I could take away from this, even when Trump won the presidency, the biggest thing you could take away from this is that we – as a people, not as a country, but globally, as a people, as a fucking species, can rally behind one cause where we can all agree together. It is fucking phenomenal, and I, I'm I'm so sad about rioting and looting. Sure. Shit's not you can, right. You can you can be sad about all those things while acknowledging that it, it, just like not all cops are bad. There's bad apples. Just because there's a a, a small percentage of looters and rioters. How about the tens, the hundreds, the thousands of millions of peaceful protesters should not rule out what they're marching for, whether you disagree with it or not. I didn't have issues with people fucking protesting about the lockdown when they were storming the fucking state capitol with guns in their hands. Just like I don't have an issue with any protest that's peaceful. I was always have an issue when people are being violent. But that is a completely different issue. It is not my place to say it. But what you were saying about educating yourself and learning and evolving, one of my favorite conversations since this all started we had was in our group chat about awareness and about being aware of things and how all of us who are very loose with our sense of humor, we're not we're not saints here. I think I've, I've been very open and I've been very honest with myself and with other people that have confronted me on things I've said in the past. And I said, yeah. I've said it, but I'm not saying it now. And we have to start judging people by what they're going to do going forward. People like Drew Brees, look within yourself what you can do to be better today based on what you did yesterday and how you'll be better tomorrow. It's pretty simple, man. I mean, the same thing with me. I mean, you called me out on bullshit plenty of times. You know, that's the one thing, again, not to be like weird or nothing, but that's the one thing I I really admire about the three of us specifically. We call each other out on our bullshit a lot. And, um, you know, uh, again, from where I was in high school 
pre two. It's so weird how 2010 before was such a completely different world than what it is today. But again, I was a completely different person. I'm not, you know, I, I'm just, I, I'm not the same idiot that I used to be. I'm much more informed, but I'm still a dumb dumb. Um, yeah, it's dude. You can be the same yeah, person, are. have the same sense of humor. But curtail certain things. You could still be fucking funny. You can still be aware. You could find ways to be funnier, be more creative with it. It's on every single person to just be more aware and have more so, empathy and stop being a cocksucker. So I wanted no I want, more cunts. No cunts. Twenty twenty. Yeah, no cunts. Twenty twenty. So get before to, get to the voting, get to the ballots, guys. So before we move on again, you, you, you mentioned the conversation we had in the group chat about everything about becoming aware and like what, what are, what your role in everything should be. You know, obviously there's a million different roles you could take throughout this process. And I want to take the opportunity to shout out our good friend, friend of the show and a someone I've known for 20 years, uh, Justin Grahowski by name, his Instagram post was not only powerful, it was inspiring. It was really something absolutely fantastic. Um, he really does have a way with words. There's a reason why he wrote for the Cowboys blog and his tongue. Yeah. And his tongue. Um, <laughs> but I just want to read the last passage that he wrote. He goes, I hope I have been able to speak, uh, to those of you uh, out there like me who have who have really looked deeply into the same question of what should my part be in all of this, whether it be protesting, spreading facts online, voicing opinions, donating, starting dialogues or seeking out creative methods to seek change. I hope you are able to find the answer to yours. I have never been more proud of a friend in my entire life than I was when I read that. Honestly, it really is very, very yeah. inspiring. And I'm very proud of him for that. Oh, yeah. All right. Last thing we're going to cover here, Taylor, I'm going to let you take um, the, the wheel on this one. Uh, uh, I would call what's happening in the world right now, um, it's a reckoning, but more than anything, it's an awakening. And in turn, a lot of people are getting called out on their bullshit. And it's greatly affected some of the music you enjoy most. So why don't you take it from there? So out of... The big four that's happened. Okay, so what you just said, a reckoning, an awakening, so to speak. Things are coming to light that have been sitting sitting in the shadows, brushed under the base deck for a very long time right now. Um, the biggest headline that came out of yesterday that, that I saw. The base deck, shut up. Shut up, Josh. stock 2020. Mute your fucking self again, would you? No. Um, <laughs> would you? Yeah, <laughs> go away. <laughs> go away, baiting. Uh, about a size 14. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the biggest uh, the biggest um, story that came out yesterday was the rape allegations against one Austin Carlisle, formerly of Attack Attack and of Mice and Men. The, like I've been reading, also called out Alternative Press for covering it up. Alternative Press for covering it up. Um, there's one I don't want to speak on. Just yet, because I, not all the facts are out there. This Austin Carlisle stuff seems very concrete, and it seems to follow a really horrific trend within the scene where these guys are absolute weirdos and predators. It's terrible. on emotionally damaged girls. Yes, and Alternative Press, the reason why they got called out was because – so Austin Carlisle has been alleged uh, serial rapist for the last 10 years, raping over 15, 16 different underage women, um, underage girls, I should say. And 
Alternative Press was going to run a piece. They were It was an investigative piece that they were looking into, and they talked to, I believe, out of 16 victims, they talked to 15 of them. All, all shared their stories with Alt Press, and Alt Press killed the story. Um, and this is talking four years ago. All, within those four years, they gave Austin Carlisle the cover, I think, three times after that. And that really speaks to the validity of Alt Press, what I've been questioning for years. Um, it's just really some fucking stupid nonsense. Um, I feel bad for the people it's affected. I feel bad for the for the scene as a whole. But at the same time, I, I am very happy that these scumbags are being brought to light. Um Another one was, you know, obviously the Ghost Inside released their first album in four years after the bus accident. And then shortly, maybe a week after the release of the album, next thing you know, the bass players dropped a hard R on a bus driver and he's been kicked out. Um, I don't think that's reflective of the person that he is today, obviously. But at the same time, you got to do damage control. You got to get him out of there. Especially right now. It's just it. It doesn't matter if it was, you know, I, I think if it's someone did it when they were 16, you got to have a little, I think there needs to be a little wiggle room for conversation. But if it's something as a grown man, you did, I, I don't think I, I you got to You got to cover your ass, man. It's, it's the right thing to do right now to show that your fans that you're behind. Here's the thing. Even if you don't agree with the movement from a business standpoint, they had no choice. They had no choice. You're back and, and I, and you have to do it. And so these are just a few of the ones. And I mean, in, in other parts of the world, um, Josh and mine's favorite girl from Vanderpump Rules, Stasi, uh, got yeah. fired from Vanderpump along with three other cast members. Um, and what well, Stasi's canceled. So I, Stasi's canceled. So I, I am a, a Britney guy now. Okay, I don't know which one Brittany is. I just know Stassi because the titties are always out. I don't know um, what you're talking about. It's a Bravo show that both of our significant others watch that I catch in the background. Um, but what Stassi and one of the other girls did was they called the cops on a black girl they knew because there was a black girl that was wanted for some kind of crime that looked nothing like her and reported her to the cops, which is a hundred times worse than using any racial slur because you're taking a chance on putting them into this believed to be criminal, criminal, um, this corrupt criminal justice system. So that is a hundred times worse than someone in private dropping racial slurs as horrible as that might be. Um, a kid from the CW uh, flash show, fired for racial comments. Um, you know, if you got skeletons, guys, you might as well put them out there yourself rather than someone find them for you. Because th there's no way this is the end of it. I'm waiting for it to be someone that I like and admire that fucks up, like Trent Reznor, Corey Taylor. I'm just waiting for it at this point. But I would hope that these people that I've admired and liked aren't scumbags. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes across the board. I'm I'm waiting for like a rogue one, like a Surge Tankin did some weird shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, and the other thing that you know was upsetting to see this week is all these dumb fucking assholes that finally figured out what Rage Against the Machines about. <laughs> what a bunch of fucking assholes! Did you ever look at the lyrics to "Killing in the Name of"? It's about cops that are do pol that commit racial crimes. Literally, those of us that burn crosses are the same that join forces. Those that die are justified, live in the past when you're chosen white. Like, come on, it's about black on white, white on black police crime. Dude, come and on. same thing with bulls on, like, bulls yeah. on, 
parade, like bulls on parade, testify, uh, uh, lives paid for the pump and the what price. What do you think the machine is? What do they think the machine is, dude? They would literally, <laughs> not that I, I, I fucking hate this, but they used to burn American flags at their shows. They were completely. Like, what are they? <laughs> What do they think the Battle of Los Angeles is? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good movie. <laughs> it's the fucking Los Taylor. Angeles riots, bro. Like, come on. Dude, oh. Yo, dude, they played at the 2000 DNC and started a riot. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I listen, and here's the thing. And this is the first time I'm, I'm ever going to say this, and it doesn't mean anything. It's just my how I personally view things. When it comes to – I'm more of a libertarian. Than I, the first time I'm ever going to come out and say that. I'm more libertarian. I'm socially democrat, and I am – um, I am, uh, you know, uh, economically conservative, whatever. And a douche. I think facts. I think everyone <laughs> should be able to do whatever the hell they want, and then you run things like a business, whatever. So the fact that I lean somewhat right and I like Rage Against the Machine, and I know exactly what they're talking about, I don't disagree, but the fact that you have people to the right, all the way to the right, you're talking about, like, I can't say the names, but all the way to sure, the right, sure. they're like – Oh, I'm not a fan of your music because of your political views, the Tom Morello. And it's like, what, 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 what did you, what are you, what, are, what have you been listening to? And then someone commented on Instagram where they were yeah. like, you know, <laughs> I wasn't, I was, I wasn't a fan of your, I was a fan of your music, and then you posted your political views, and now you've just lost a fan. You don't know what you're talking about. Stick and then you posted your political views. Then, yeah. <laughs> did you look at any of our lyrics, stupid? Like yeah, 25 I mean, fucking years, almost 30 years going on of Rage Against the Machine. It was just as dumb as like the shut up and dribble thing, right? And then he's like, well, you know, I, someone who graduated from Harvard in a with a PhD in political science should be able to talk about these things. And luckily I know someone who graduated from Harvard with a PhD in political science. Oh yeah, wait, that's me. Tom Morello, <laughs> exactly. All right, guys, the last thing I want to leave us with before uh, our, the end of the episode and before we're back in studio next week, I just found this. Uh, the updated guidance on having sex in the age of COVID COVID-19, the pandemic changes and so does our guidance. This is one of the guidelines. Make it a little kinky. Be creative with sexual positions and physical barriers, like walls that make sexual contact while preventing close face-to-face -face contact. The CDC is officially advocating for glory holes. The episode has come full circle, guys. This is episode 105 of You Watch, I Listen. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you guys are safe. Be healthy, be happy, educate yourself. Stop being a cocksucker. No cunts 2020. No cunts 2020. We'll see you next week. The CDC wants glory hole, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Peace <laughs> out. You watch I glory hole. Bye. <laughs> Later.